0: Welcome to episode 30 of the Roger Snipe show. Roger Snipe show. The Rod 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 Roger Snipes show. Snipe show. Hey guys, thanks once again for tuning in and once again thank you for all the amazing reviews which you guys leave behind. So, I have a review which was sent by a Bobby Hang. And she said, I'm really interested in health, but not really had the healthiest habits. Since listening to this podcast, it has really helped me develop healthier choices in life. From parenting to EMF to longevity. I just want to live a long, healthy, happy life. And it's a pleasure to listen to Roger and his amazing guests, which I don't think I would actually be introduced to. Some of the amazing health products had it not been for his recommendation. He is someone I trust and I'm very, very happy with some of the recommended health products. Changed my life for the better and absolutely loving the content and grateful he has taken the time to bring so much value to viewers. It has helped me in so many levels. Highly recommend his podcasts. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that was incredible. Thanks a lot Bobby. I truly appreciate that. I that's all I want to do. Bring lots of value. And that's it really. You know, I I remember when I first started listening to podcasts, there were some people who I thought, oh my god, these guys are actually incredible. And then there were others that were not as incredible, and I just remember thinking, do you know what? I think I I could at least do a slightly better job than those people. Let me give it a go and see see where it takes me. So here I am today. Now, today's podcast is very interesting because I had maybe about six months ago. I can't remember how long ago exactly, but I had taken an age test, an epigenetics age test and had the results which came back that I was, I think two years younger biologically through the epigenetics test and i decided to have a test done with another company which does not work on the same type of system as epigenetics so today i have a conversation with a dr gordon layak who is a professor of biochemistry and molecular biology Now, we had a great chat about biological age versus chronological age, but our focus was on glycan age and uh, what are glycans? Because until I learned about this company, I had no idea what glycans were, and I assume that the vast majority of people uh, probably have no idea. Unless they fall in this category, unless is that this is their speciality. Now, glycanage measures your IgG glycosylation, which directly correlates with the level of inflammation in your body. Now, you could call it an immune age or um, inflammation age. Now, the Horvath clock, which is the test which I had is based on the analysis of over 300 pieces of epigenetic information. But that's the industrial standard. Now, one thing I just wanna add here is, I don't wanna skip and go into the interview too much, but it was mentioned that a lot of the commercial products which are available where people take DNA tests, is that they might not necessarily use all of the 300 pieces of epigenetic information. We'll go a bit further into that when you listen on further. But age is based on a single molecule and it's functional regulation. While methylation clock measures information, age measures direct effectors direct effectors. So this is really, really interesting. What's also interesting is glycans are the most neglected molecules of cellular communication. But Dr. Gordon Layak is about to unravel everything for us. Roger, Roger. Snipes' Snyder. show. So, um, how you doing, sir?
1: Hi. Tired. Many meetings in the morning. But it's okay. it's it's a difficult time, you know, with all these signs going on about the corona and trying to find a solution. We scientists have to work hard.
0: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I think most people right now are in in question as to what's going on. But um, I think lots of people are starting to go out a bit more now. You know, at first it was full on lockdown and now people are, you'll see them in parks and stuff like that.
1: I, I think spring is giving us a break. So we'll be fine until autumn. But what will happen in autumn, nobody knows. So for yeah. now, at least we are, I'm in Croatia. Croatia is fully opened. We are inviting tourists to come. Beaches are open. So oh, really? It, it, here it's okay. Yeah, We have okay. zero cases for a week. So we are kind of corona-free country.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Don't say that too much. Otherwise, um, you might get an, a, a sudden influx of people going to your country.
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll cope with that. Oh,
0: that's cool. So glycanage is the discussion today. Now, from what I understand about glycanage, they use um, a patented technology. Um, they also advise that it's the most accurate indicator of a biological age test and overall health. Now, I understand that you are a professor of uh, biochemistry and uh, molecular biology. Could you give us a a further indication as to what your scientific background is and what you can tell us about glycan age
1: okay so I will start by telling you something about glycans which are the basis for glycan age so glycans are um, modifications of proteins which make protein different so proteins are the molecules which do most of the work in our body And if you go back in evolution, first we had nucleic acids, then nucleic acids kind of invented proteins to make them more diverse, to do more jobs. And once we became multicellular, so no longer a bacteria, but multicellular organisms, uh, we started to add glycans to our proteins. And glycans are kind of, um, they're doing the fine tuning of proteins. They regulate the protein activity. And one very important protein is immunoglobulin antibodies, which actually, they are used to um, destroy all the pathogens which attack us. And the activity of immunoglobulins is regulated with glycans. And I will not go too deeply into that, maybe later we can go if if you want. Mm -hmm. But we know that these glycans are regulating immunoglobulins and in this way they are kind of regulating inflammation. But the problem with glycans is that they're very difficult to analyze. And majority of scientists do not do that. So they just look at DNA, they look at genes, they look at proteins, they don't look at glycans. So I work in the field of glycobiology for 30 years and slightly over 10 years ago, we started to do large studies of the glycome. We were the first who started to do large studies of a glycome, And the first thing we learned is that glycans change a lot with age. So when people are young, glycans and their immunoglobulins are functioning in a way to suppress inflammation. As we are getting older, from reasons we don't fully understand, glycans are becoming more pro-inflammatory. So old people are generally having glycans which promote inflammation, while young people suppress inflammation. And these changes also happen in a disease. So when people get ill, their glycans become more pro-inflammatory. And this happens in many different diseases. So it's not a disease specific. It's a kind of one of the molecular mechanisms which is contributing to disease. And actually there is even a whole um, hypothesis saying that the aging is being driven by inflammation. And this is so-called inflammation hypothesis. Yeah and glycans there play an important role. So once we learned that the glycans change with age, then we tried to predict somebody's age based on glycans. So we just measured the glycans in it was a couple of thousand people and modeled it to predict age. And we could predict age with the error of 9 years. Which is not bad. You know, you take a drop of blood and say this comes from a 40 year old or a 20 year old person. But the most important thing was when we looked at the difference between the real age and the glycan age. So, the real age meaning the chronological age, the age, the number of years since you were born. And then we realized that the difference between these two two ages can be explained with a lifestyle. So, if somebody is living a healthier life, then the glycan age would move slower than the chronological age so somebody would be 50 and the glycan age would be 30 or something and if people live different types of unhealthier life then the glycan age would move faster and you would be 40 chronologically and your glycan age would be in the 50s or 60s and uh, this often correlates with the disease so if people have some diseases, glycan age move faster, but it can also correlate with, um, for example, obesity is a driver. If 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 you are uh, obese, your glycans move faster, but also it's not only obesity, it can be a different form of, uh, for example, professional athletes usually look older. And, but you know, if you talk about a football player and he's 34, everybody would say, oh, he's so old, 34 year old football player. <laughs> yeah. but, from, from kind of know, in science, 34 old person would actually be just entering the science. So we would say, you know, oh, he's only 30, he's a baby. So it, it's, it's a big, a lot about lifestyle, something about your genes, but it, it's something which you can measure, which can tell you how do you compare to other people. And the most importantly, this is something you can change. For example, my glycan like, like age is lousy. I won't even say how high it is <laughs> But I, I, well, I eat too much. I work too much. I'm too much stress. I'm horrible, but I was playing and testing. You know, I tried to sleep more. Didn't really help. I tried to exercise more. Didn't really help. So the only thing which works for me is losing weight. But I like to eat, so it doesn't <laughs> work that well. So but the thing is, you know, you have a tool how you can measure what actually works for you. Spectacular. I was talking too much. Maybe No, we'll... that was
0: perfect. That's that's great. That's great. Um so it is affected by um inflammation. So you mentioned that um that's that's one of the markers which um affects the age so inflammation. It's
1: not only affected by inflammation it also participates in inflammation so it's not that there is an inflammation which makes your glycans look old mm-hmm. but there is there's some kind of a signal and this signal could be uh infection you know you can have a i don't know infection in your oral cavity you have uh, some kind of bad tooth or something like that, which is driving infection. You could have a chronic infection somewhere in your body, some kind of bacteria somewhere, or you could have um, inflammation which uh, originates from a tissue damage. For example, if you exercise too much, actually you hurt your body and you initiate inflammation, which is not infection, there's no bacteria there, but there is a tissue damage, and then there is a repair process, and then the glycans play the role there. So glycans are part of the inflammatory process. So good thing about inflammation is there is a damage, you start inflammation, you destroy everything there, and then you rebuild it. This this is the way inflammation works. So, you know, bacteria come in, then your blood cells come and kill all of them, and then you repair the damage. But if this happens too often, and now we are talking about this chronic inflammation, which can last for decades. Hmm. Then it starts to damage the tissue. Like, like in any, anything you're repairing, there's always a little bit of damage. So with too much inflammation, you kind of have a lot of scars everywhere. And then this is making you um, kind of biologically older. And we did another interesting study. We compared people in different countries we compared 27 different countries all around the world and in some of those countries people would have um, so something like we would have a Papua New Guinea where uh, at that time the life expectancy was something like over 40 years and then we have some African countries and some Asian countries and most of Europe and we could actually correlate the the glycan age there with the expected lifespan So if you are 40 and you live in a country where the expected lifespan would be 50, your glycan age would be very close to the maximum, which maybe in in UK people would reach in their 60s or something like that. So it really depends how you live and how your glycans will change through your lifetime.
0: That's really interesting. So I've hung around a lot of health-conscious geeks and... Many of them strongly believe that epigenetics tests are the gold standard of age testing because of its correlation to uh, DNA methylation possibly, or maybe other factors. Um, But
1: how would they both
0: compare compare side by side?
1: So uh, DNA methylation is something which is easy to measure. And this so-called epigenetic clock, which was developed by Steve Horvath, maybe even a decade ago, uh, is really reliable. 2013, I think. Sorry?
0: I think it was 2013.
1: Yeah, something like that, yeah. Hmm. So uh, it's something which actually very reliably can predict your chronological age. So the original uh, epigenetic clock is so accurate that it is actually not really useful because, you know, Everybody knows the chronological age. If you guess it with a one-year error, what does it help? And actually, people now use uh, this Steve's original clock, which is measuring uh, epigenetic methylation at something over 300 sites in the genome. Mm-hmm. They use it to estimate the age of the illegal immigrants. So you now somebody comes in as an the immigrant says, "Oh, I'm eight, I'm 17," and they do the test. Now you're 25. You're kicked out. <laughs> and, and this is, and even, uh, I, I spoke with Steve about it a couple of, actually it was even more than a year ago, and he's now developing some new tests because these are too accurate for the chronological age. So now he has something which he calls a grim methylation age, where he, he modeled um, how much you smoke and some uh, protein biomarkers. And this is now kind of predicting the unhealthy life. So the, the key problem with the methylation is that you measure something like uh, 600,000 sites. And then you can model more or less anything. And probably if you would take the same people glycan age, and methylation, you can make a methylation, methylation clock for glycan age. And this is when you measure everything. Now you have these commercial tests for for methylation age, which don't use the original 300 plus size because it is too expensive. So you cannot measure everything. So they uh, measure 5, 10, 15 methylation sites, which correlate reasonably well with the original clock. But the key thing is what explains the difference. And so far, none of the commercial tests have actually shown what explains the difference between the real age and their epigenetic age. Because they claim, yes, with the Steve's clock, you can show, you know, you're a couple of years, younger or older, or this associates with the risk. But for the commercial ones, still nobody knows. So it's a... Any test you take is a kind of a gamble at the moment because you will not get the same results from different companies because they measure different things, and they are all hiding what are they actually measuring. So I am a big believer in epigenetic information because I think you know all our life uh, events, experience is being actually recorded in epigenetics. And I believe a big part of the glycan changes is recorded in epigenetics, but not in those couple of sites which are being sold as an epigenetic test. So um, I think the the advantage of glycan age is that we are not measuring information. We are measuring the effector. We are measuring the molecule which actually does something. And since we are measuring the effector, the change in an effector will have uh, repercussions for uh, health and disease. And this is what we are showing. So we already analyzed over 150,000 people in the different research projects we have. And in most of the diseases, we see that these glycans, which are basis of glycan age test, change with disease. And often, they actually change before people get ill. So for example, We did recently a cohort of 27,000 people in Germany, which were collected nearly 30 years ago and the blood samples were stored. We analyzed the blood from 30 years ago and we knew who had a heart attack or or stroke in the next 10 years after the collection. Oh, wow. And we did see that the glycans which we measure are predictive of who will have a heart attack or stroke in the future. So it is not that, uh, you know, it's, it's not a diagnostic test. We are not claiming it to be a diagnostic test. But this is definitely something which is important for your health, which you can measure, and then you see what actually happens.
0: Mm. Wow. Um, so back to the, uh, the Steve Horvath Horvath test you said the commercial ones only measure about 15 of the zip genes
1: so they're hiding the yeah. exact number mm-hmm. so they measure a couple i know some of the companies which measure only five i don't know how many of them all the comp- other companies measure mm-hmm. and they developed these few because they correlate reasonably well with the entire 300
0: Right. Okay.
1: As I said, the, the key thing is what explains the difference, because the difference could be explained with something which is completely irrelevant medically. And so far there has been very few tests which actually show that you can change your methylation age. There was one published uh, last year with a very aggressive uh, hormonal therapy where people actually got younger for a year or so.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Clearlight Infrared Sauna. If you want the ultimate biohack, then this is it. Clearlight Infrared Sauna has state-of-the-art heating technology to produce optimal wavelengths of 360 degrees infrared heat. Traditional saunas raise the temperature from the air, but infrared saunas raise your temperature from the core. The results is deeper tissue penetration this is the perfect way to remove toxins it promotes healing revitalization penetrates fat cells and stimulates metabolism clear light saunas is energy efficient costing up to 45 p per hour virtually close to no emf and low elf technology they also use eco-certified wood so no toxic fumes when heated you also get a lifetime warranty on a residential sauna if you'd like to learn more about clear light saunas or pick one up for yourself then just click the link in the show notes and check it out
1: and there's still there has to be a more research we we, we yeah. frankly We don't know how things which we do change your lifestyle. And there are many people doing research, so there will be more and more data about uh, epigenetic clocks. I recently spoke with David Sinclair. He has some interesting data about uh, methylation also. We're also doing the glycans with David Sinclair, so we'll see how these two things compare. Oh, amazing. uh, You know, we are just collecting pieces of information, trying to see how they can actually help people.
0: So yeah, I've been um, listening to an audio book by David Sinclair and like, I'm not a scientific person and I had to put it down because I felt like my brain was on fire, seriously. Um, Obviously, this is his life. This is, you know, this is what he does. And the reason why I I keep mentioning about epigenetics, because I know that there is definitely some, there's some substance there. And I just want to know if there is a particular way that glycans and epigenetics can kind of codependently work together, you know, to, to get so, some results.
1: We are, we are doing a couple of studies where we will measure both. And as I said, the key problem with epigenetics is that while we do this at the research level, meaning when I collaborate with Steve or, or David, then they would measure 600,000 sites. 600,000 is methylation points in a genome. And then we find which of them bring forth important information. And we did a couple of those studies and there's always a plenty of very important information in methylation. Problem is that if you just order a commercial test, they just give you a number which you don't know how exactly was it calculated. So this is why I'm not too enthusiastic about those commercial tests, which are currently available. And actually, if you see, none of those companies really is very successful. Well, I am very optimistic about what we do with glycans because we know exactly what we measure. We know what these molecules do. And we know that if, um, for example, we had a group of people undergoing bariatric surgery, so bariatric surgery is when they kind of reduce your stomach. So you, you eat less and then people lose 20, 30 kilos. And we had a patient who was 30 years younger after six months.
0: Oh, wow. This is drastic therapy. You know, you don't want to do six bariatric months. surgery.
1: But in six months, he got 30 years younger. <laughs> and we also had, we had a large study on 2000 twins, which were followed for 20 years. And we had a sample since three time points across these 20 years. And twins which were actually losing weight in that period were aging much slower than the twins who were gaining weight. So, you know, if, if you're gaining weight, your um, kind of glycan age goes much faster than if you are losing weight. So it's, uh, it's fun it's fun doing research. So this is what I enjoy, you know, we are kind of learning what happens if you do something we, we had, we had an interesting cohort of, um, ladies preparing for the bikini fitness competition in Finland. And actually while they were doing this very intensive preparation, they got worse, but in the recovery phase, they got better again. And then we had another cohort of people doing, um, high intensity interval tra- training and they got immediately better. So, Obviously, depending on what kind of exercise you do, your body responds in a different way. And I think the key question here will be is what kind of training and what kind of diet would be optimal for a given person because we are all different. Unfortunately, even if we sequence the entire genome of a person, we cannot say what that person should do there is still not enough knowledge to interpret the genetic data. So the only thing we can do at the moment is, try something and then measure how it affects your body. And if it works well, okay. If not, try something else. And this is what I was doing. So I was trying sleeping, didn't help. Uh, Exercising more didn't help. I have to eat less. Horrible. (laughs) At least I know what I can have to do if we want to have an effect. Some people could be lucky. You know, it could be only sleep a little bit more. I would immediately go for that option, you know. Sleep (laughs) two hours more and you'll be better, but I'm not a lucky guy.
0: (laughs) Oh man. So we are all trying to live a healthier life. Um,
1: I think that's the wrong conclusion. Majority of people are not trying to live a healthy life. That's
0: a valid point actually,
1: yeah. The reason why they don't do it, because this is difficult, Mm. And they don't see the effect. So living a healthy life will give you a benefit in 20 years. You know, you can always wait for another week or a month or a year before you start investing for something in 20 years. And there has been a research uh, showing that if we live, if we just get rid of the most important unhealthy habits, we can add... 10 years of healthy life to our lifespan. So we can really kind of save 10 years of healthy life, not not any life, healthy life. And people don't do it because the reward comes too late. You know, I'm not not going to sacrifice today for something what will happen in 20 years. And (laughs) the idea of the biomarker would be that you can see effect immediately, not immediately, but in a couple of months. And we have a number of people who, for example, they would do the test and they don't look that good. And then they start thinking and they change something. And if they see an effect in three, four, five months, then there is, how, wow, there is an effect. I'm going to try harder. I will keep doing it while if you don't have a feedback you know then you don't do anything so i think we cannot extrapolate ourselves so there are many people who really think a lot about their health but the majority of population actually don't
0: that's interesting isn't it like you'd think that everybody has a mutual interest i think people don't necessarily do their best to be healthier, but they just kind of expect it to happen. They're like, I, I want to be healthy, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to uh, do what it takes to be healthier. Um, I think people just want to live long and they kind of want to thrive without doing it, doing you know the effort that's required. As glycans is, um, I think it's one of the four building blocks, isn't it, of, of life alongside protein and... Um, nucleic Acids and, and lipids and lipids um how would you specifically make your glycans really thrive you know what is the ultimate measures you would say
1: we don't know so uh. what we know so first glycans is a very broad um word like you know, proteins, nucleic acids, lipids is a very broad term. Glycan age is more narrow. So glycan age is measuring glycans on immunoglobulins. And this is related to inflammation. We also have some other glycans which we measure, for example, related to more uh, metabolic health and so on. So glycan age is mostly related to inflammation. And what we know that what we can do for this glycan age to be better is one thing is definitely get rid of uh, of uh, excess of food what we are eating eating too much food is definitely harming mm. and also other things which are considered to be unhealthy like um smoking is an important factor and uh stress psychological stress is an important factor uh physical harm to the body is an important factor and you can actually even harm yourself by exercising. So kind of if you are uh, wearing out your body too much, you can see that. And this is something we see with the professional, professional athletes that it does move faster. But the good thing is that um, damage can be in, repaired. Mm-hmm. We had um, actually, this was even published by Daily Mail I think, a couple of years ago. We had a person who was living very unhealthy life, but took an early retirement and started living much healthier. And actually, he went all the way below his chronological age. So no, these things, this is not um, that uh, you are damaged forever. These molecules can repair themselves, and uh, the doing the test can be kind of an early warning there is something wrong, and I can actually repair the damage before the damage starts doing the real harm. Because, yeah, one thing I did not explain. So um, people usually think either health or disease. It's kind of a categorical term. I'm healthy or I'm ill. And this comes from a modern medicine because uh, how do we define ill? You go to hospital and then you get the diagnosis. Somebody tells you you have a diabetes, you have a hypertension, you have a cancer, whatever. And this is the moment when something is so wrong in your body that it doesn't work anymore. So you feel pain in one of your organs, or uh, uh, glucose is no longer regulated. So it's a kind of an endpoint. And between this endpoint, which we call disease, and the healthy state, there's a kind of continuum of damage. So uh, our body can compensate most of the damage. So something happens, you compensate. Something happens, you compensate. Only after a long time you decompensate, and then you're ill. The mm-hmm. so idea of a biomarkers, like H is that you identify this disease-developing process before the endpoint. So you don't wait to become ill to go to hospital, because once you are really ill, Modern medicine rarely cures the problem. Modern medicine just reduces the level of symptoms so you can function. But there there are very few examples where you can actually go with the disease, maybe, I don't know, some hematological cancers. You have it and then you cure it. Most diseases which are uh, burdening the, the modern society are chronic diseases. So once you are ill, you are ill until you die. It just gets worse a little bit. So with biomarkers, you can see this process developing. Try changing something which might be really easy. For example, if if you develop diabetes, you really have to change your lifestyle. But maybe if you identify the risk five years earlier, maybe you have to change your lifestyle only a bit. For example, something which really seems to be working is this intermittent fasting. So just you know, you don't you eat the same amount of food, but you're limited in a number of hours per day when you eat it. This seems to be working. Or you think more about your microbiome. You eat a food which your microbiome uh, likes, and you can prevent the disease. Mm.
0: Um, I think a few questions was coming in my head, and as you started talking about microbiome, I was going to ask you what's your what's your thoughts on. Like you mentioned about eating food, which is good for your microbiome, but we all have different microbiomes. We, it doesn't respond the same way to every type of food. And what's your thoughts on having a test for that? Uh, do you think that they are accurate enough to tell you what is the right food for yourself?
1: So we still know very little about our microbiome and how it affects health. And I think the only thing where we have kind of a consensus is that a good microbiome is a diverse microbiome. Right. So the, the measure of the microbial health is how diverse it is. So when I said a good food which is good for a microbiome, would mean you have to eat diverse food, especially many different plants. For example, Tim Spector, who is one of the leading researchers in the field from the King College London, say, says you have to eat something like 30 different plants a week. And then if you eat sufficient diversity of plants, then your different microbes can thrive. And then by having a diversity, they can protect you from all uh, potential invaders. Because the problem with the microbiome is that we have a kind of uh, friendly microbiome, we live with it. And then if, if a pathogen comes in, I don't know, you eat salmonella or something like that, then our friendly microbiome will fight them and will not let let them make us ill. But if we have a very unhealthy microbiome, for example, again, with the Tim Spector, I think his son Tom was eating McDonald's for for a week or two weeks, something horrible. This reduced his microbiome drastically. And then when you only have few bacteria growing yourself, then maybe one which comes in can make a chaos and make you ill. So the idea about microbiome, and we know that microbiome affects also the glycom is, it should be diverse. We also did an interesting experiment. We did, um, it, was, it was done I think in, in Canada that um, people were getting um, so-called the uh, fecal microbiome transplant. So you take a, a microbes from from guts of one person and then transfer it to another person. There are several ways you can even just have a pills and then drink these pills. Mm. Replacing the microbiome, the unhealthy one, with the healthy one, then also changes your glycans. So by doing the microbiome transplantation, you can improve your glycome.
0: That's really interesting.
1: Really interesting approach. Maybe just a healthy food would be.
0: Yeah, yeah, but the diverse food is really interesting. What I find is, I try to keep it as diverse myself. One
1: more thing which I didn't mention, in addition to being the diverse. Uh, one of the key problems is so-called uh, ultra-processed food because now we try to invest as little as possible in preparing food so we are buying food which was prepared somewhere else and the problem with that is that these companies which are making food ready for us they have to keep this food um, it has to stay uh, functional for weeks practically even more because, you know, you, logistically, you cannot make it every day. So you have, they have to make something and then ship it to the, to the, to the shops and then people buy it, store it in the fridge. And what they do, they put the different concerns, different chemicals, which prevent bacteria from growing. And all the semi-prepared or fully prepared food that you're buying will have different chemicals which kill bacteria. That, and I understand. You kill your own bacteria. So you're killing mm. your microbiome with the food you are eating.
0: Yeah. What's, what's your thoughts on um, seasonal eating? Like some people believe like, you know, eat certain foods which are in season. And, you know, there's lots of uh, fruits, for instance, which are shipped into other countries, um, even if they're, you know, organic. What's your thoughts on eating stuff which is not in season?
1: This is not really my field, so I'm not an expert in this. But right. I- say it logically, is that, you know, the food, the fruits, the vegetables, which have been shipped, haven't been really damaged, you know, you haven't done anything bad to them. But the, I think the problem there is more that the quality, in, in a way of um, first the taste, and then maybe different nutrients, which could be there will be very different because the all those uh, fruits, which are um, kind of uh, selected for uh, keeping, keeping them for a long time have been selected for this. And if, if you compare any fruit which you actually climb a table, climb a tree and pick it and eat it, it's uncomparable with what you buy in shops. So right. I think there is a huge uh, risk in doing that, but there is a huge loss in quality because you know I, I do have some fruits which grow in my garden and it's, it's uncomparable to what you buy in the supermarkets.
0: Yeah wrapped in plastic as well isn't it <laughs> um, so you, you briefly touched on the the exercise part and you'd mentioned that some training can cause inflammation in the body and then our body can recover from it. what's and I think you mentioned high intensity training, showed a good response uh to glycans or glycans responded well to the training um would you say that high intensity training might be best overall or it just varies per person and you gotta check it out yourself
1: see we it... don't have sufficient research yet to say right that. so we did two small studies we are doing we have a couple of hundred people on the different exercise regimes in a moment we are doing another study and uh I think there is definitely an advantage of high intensity training because there is a recovery period. Mm-hmm. So I think recovery is something what is very important because you have, if you have a continuous uh, work being done by muscle, there is no way to get rid of all those um, molecules which are kind of byproducts of metabolism. And then we all know that if we don't exercise and then we start exercising any kind of specific muscle then we feel pain in that muscle after a few days this is because there is inflammation going on there and this inflammation is something which is definitely not good so uh this uh burst of intensive activity with recovery period seems to be beneficial but then again i'm a biochemist i'm not uh, i'm not a specialist in, uh, in different forms of uh, physical activity so, and this is based on the limited research we did. Something which is definitely needed is to see how different people respond to different regimes because we know there are some kind of a genetic predispositions for a different type of um, physical activity, and then combining some kind of a genetic data with, with different types of exercise could be beneficial. But for the moment, on a, on a planetary level, the level of knowledge is too low. We have to do much more research to understand. And every every model which claims that, you know, the something is good for everybody, it, this is wrong. You know, yeah. people have to see what actually works for them. And, you know, the best way is, you know, you, know, you try it, you measure it, and then you see what works. How
0: do people measure you know their glycans on a on the a rig- how often would you suggest the person measures it like you know they try a different training program or a diet and and yeah how often should they measure
1: oh so glycans change relatively slowly so okay. unless there is some kind of a really uh drastic thing like kind of acute infection or something like that it takes at least a couple of months for them to change significantly Personally, when I track myself, I do it monthly, but, you know, I have a lab who's doing that. I don't have to pay for that. So <laughs> it's not too much, but something like every three months or every six months would be something which would be informative because in three months we would see effects of kind of uh, intervention we are doing.
0: Cool. And where do you see glyconage moving forward? Um, Are there gonna be any other things added to it to help to improve the science?
1: So we are doing the research all the time. So personally, I'm uh, running a research lab. We do 20, 30,000 people a year, different glycan analysis, and we are learning more and more. So I see glycan age eventually moving to kind of routine diagnostics but this will take probably a decade or so. For now, what we are doing, we are offering this test to people. They can try it. We are also offering it to uh, different um, clinical partners or different uh, lifestyle uh, coaches where people use their, um, they use our test to evaluate interventions they do, like different longevity centers or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, the way I see it, people will start using it more and more, we will learn more, we'll be able to give more personal guidance, which we cannot at the moment. Because it's not based on glycans, we cannot, we cannot say what will work for you. you know, we, we can only say in different people, we know that these things might work. For example, if I look at you, you're probably not overweight, so I would not tell you, you know, lose some weight it will have to be something else. So yeah, we'll just learn more. And as we learn more, we'll be able to uh, have more fun.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Sounds good, sounds good. Um, where can we find more, more information about yourself? Like, have you got any uh, blogs or, or uh, just more like research stuff that you're working I, on?
1: I regularly post what we do on Twitter and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. There, there are many posts by me. I nearly post every few days. And this is where I usually try to translate what we do into the, into the lay uh, language. There is a knowledge hub at the glycanage.com site. And this knowledge hub, we try to explain not only the glycan age but other aspects of glycosylation. For example, now we have a lot of data about the COVID. Because glycans are also important in COVID, and everybody interested in COVID, mm. so the first thing would be look at glycanage.com, check our knowledge hub, and follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn.
0: And what is your? Do you have a personal Twitter and LinkedIn? My
1: Twitter and LinkedIn
0: account. And what's what's the handle? What's the name?
1: It's my name, Gordon something like that. I'm not
0: sure. <laughs> Okay. Well, If you could just send it to me, I'll put it in the show notes on the, uh, on Uh, the podcast. uh,
1: Yeah. It's it's just my name. So it's a, I have a unique name on a planet. Fortunately.
0: (laughs) Awesome. All good. Thank you very much for your time today. That was some golden information. Um, Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure. You take care, sir. Good. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. Any guests which I have on the show really provide some golden nuggets and useful life-changing tips. So always feel free to check out their social media platforms or website links, which will be written in the show notes. These shows are financed by my sponsors, so your contributions are always greatly appreciated. Any clickable links with discount codes